Test. Don't guess. We all know that. And we want you to test better. Val Dynamo is a dynamometer specifically designed for MSK Healthcare. It isn't a repurposed crane gauge or an inaccurate grip measure. You can push, pull, grip, and more. Plus, if that wasn't enough, its app for recording and storing the data is just brilliant. Valhealth.com forward slash dynamo for the only measurement device you're going to need in clinic. So, Jess Matha, welcome to Chewing It Over. What is trauma-informed care? Okay, great question. So, trauma-informed care actually has a definition. So, there's a few different aspects that um, need to be accounted for when it comes to trauma-informed care. So, number one, under trauma-informed care, we need to understand the prevalence and impacts of trauma. So when that comes to our patients in physical therapy, we need to understand how is their trauma going to be impacting them? What results is that going to have on them? What results is it gonna have on their pain? Number two, trauma-informed care is being able to acknowledge the signs and symptoms of trauma. So how does trauma manifest in our clients? Number three is being able to respond and support in an informed manner. So that's where skills, our trauma-informed skills are really gonna come into play. How do we work with somebody if they're having a trauma response? If they're having major stress responses and all these emotions and feelings are coming up, especially we're working with people with pain, if they get a diagnosis, that's really scary for them. How do we, how do we respond to that? And then number four, which I have been guilty of doing before I learned this information was, how do we avoid re-traumatization? This is particularly important for our patients who might have physical or sexual trauma because we're working so intimately with their bodies. Pelvic floor therapists in particular are working so very closely with their patients that we wanna make sure we're not uh, re-traumatizing them by our touch or what we're doing with them in these more sensitive areas. Makes sense. Now, maybe I accidentally jumped ahead of one. What is the definition of trauma? Good question. Okay, so there's a few different definitions of trauma from different practitioners who specialize in trauma. This is a really, really important um, answer to dive into because often people think that trauma is the event. So something happened and then that's the, the traumatic event is the thing. Um, somatic experiencing, have you heard of somatic experiencing? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So somatic experiencing is a trauma training for those who don't know. And SE says that I like this is the very simple definition of trauma is trauma is when a stressor uh, exceeds a system's capacity to withstand it, right? So a stressor or a stimuli exceeds that system's capacity to handle it and then it breaks or it fractures. So in the most simplest term in the physio wor world, we think of a broken bone, right? So that's the most simple definition. Uh, are you familiar with Gaber Mate? Yeah. Yeah, okay, great. Um, so for those of you who don't know, he's a physician and specializes in trauma um, and chronic illness. He's fantastic. Um, some people pronounce his name differently. So if you hear it pronounced differently, um, I might not be saying it right, but. Um, <laughs> I think you've got it how I remember it. Yeah, it'd be funny you okay. call him Gaber mate, couldn't you? But Yeah, um, some people call it like all that. sorts of things, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the real thing is, but he's fantastic. He's brilliant. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't he wouldn't really care. He's a, he seems like a great guy. Um, but he has this quote that trauma 
is not what happens to you. It's not the event itself, but what happens inside of you as a result of that event, right? So it's not the thing itself. It's how does our body, our brain, and our nervous system process that event? What are the residual impacts of that event? Um, because sometimes we can get into this game of like, well, my trauma is not so bad because, you know, so-and-so had this harder trauma. That's like, then we're just arguing about our suffering. You know what I mean? Um, so, so trauma is more about how somebody experiences a stressor. And that depends on a whole host of factors. So it doesn't make somebody weak if they experience more traumatic symptoms than somebody who doesn't. So quite rightly, when we think about the subjective experience of pain and also what you're describing there as a subjective experience of trauma means that then the authenticity of each of those things can't really be questioned by another and shouldn't be, especially by a therapist. But is trauma, much like pain, something that is then completely and infinitely subjective in a sense that anything can meet a threshold depending on how that is being processed or interpreted by that individual. So there's, there is kind of that threshold point is kind of what I want to understand better if I can. Yeah, yeah, good question. So PTSD is a diagnosis, right, of trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yet a lot of people who have experienced trauma where their trauma has impacted their life don't necessarily qualify for the PTSD diagnosis. PTSD, We'll often diagnose for people who have what we call big T or big trauma. Big trauma would be things like a major motor vehicle accident, um, war, um, some sort of major natural disaster, right? Where there was typically one, one sort of major event and then, then they're diagnosed with PTSD, divorce, a major job loss, something like that, right? So that's more like PTSD where that's the threshold, right? They have a formal diagnosis for trauma. Then we also have something called little t or little trauma. And little trauma, the way that one of my patients described it was, it's, uh, was that phrase, death by a thousand cuts. It's like those, so for example, if you, um, you're in an, an emotionally abusive relationship, whether it's a romantic partner or even unfortunately a parent or a family member, that it's these little traumas over and over again where they're eroding your self-esteem and, um, uh, eroding your sense of worth over and over again, for example, is this little little traumatic events over and over and over again um, that can start to accumulate where maybe it's not as easy to get diagnosed with PTSD, but those events that really hurt them, that change the way that their physiology was operating makes a huge difference in their life. Makes does sense. that answer that question? It does, yeah. I think um, it, it's it's interesting because it's often the case that we end up getting caught on language and sometimes pouring over that and definitions can be really helpful and sometimes that feels a bit mm -hmm. like nitpicky but i suppose i'm trying to make sure that i understand any difference if there is one between trauma and what qualifies for trauma and can be used then clinically in this sense as a appropriate badge language and negative experience when is a negative experience bad enough or its effects bad enough for it to become trauma is that an adaptation and migration of language in time or is that something that should always have been deemed trauma you don't want to be clumsy with it but you also sure. don't want to then diminish someone's negative experience which is could be meeting the threshold of trauma 
to them and considered such and, and, and therefore should be respected as such. So I'm kind of that, I'm, I'm a bit torn as to whether I'm in the language weeds or whether I'm that, that's whether <laughs> I do need to comprehend the difference. Yeah. So you might see this a lot online. Um, people will say that we're more triggered than ever. It's like, you're triggering my trauma and there's like, everybody's offended over everything, right? right. So it's like, well, is that really a trauma response, right? Is it, is it really like, did you, did people say you traumatized me? Did somebody really traumatize you, right? Like what, what does qualify mm. that? Um, right. uh, and sometimes when we say that, when we throw that word out, it's like you traumatized me, but that's not actually true. You were just upset over something can diminish the people who really have experiences. Yeah. So trauma we know does create changes in our behavior for example so if somebody has had a childhood trauma maybe they're not formally diagnosed with ptsd but they start to see that that trauma has impacted the way they interact in their current relationships for example so it really right. made an impact on the, there's also when people have trauma there's there's this response that can happen in their body that feels very somatic and bodily right where it's just not anger but it's this intense usually energy or charge that comes up that feels unexplainable so a trauma response is a really uh heightened response an inappropriate response we would say to an event right so somebody gets out of control stressed out over one little thing right it could be a trauma response and and it's also the job of them and the therapist if they're working with their therapist to, to dive into that and get really into the nitty-gritty and like why are they having these responses is it a trauma response or is it that they just need a nap you know what i mean um sure. yeah is, i suppose is, is it often associated with a strong memory or something like that so if there's if there's something that is linked do they are is it often as clear-cut as it being that it's giving me um, I know it sounds a bit more Hollywood than I mean it, but like flashbacks or, or, or key memories of it that's making the association fairly crisp that is reminding them and that is giving them this, this very visceral response. Sometimes, sometimes they can have flashbacks. Um, that's quite common with people with PTSD. Um, it can also come up as smells. Some people will smell something, they'll feel, um, they'll feel like a familiarity to the sensations in their body or the flood of emotions that they're experiencing. And sometimes they need to dive in a little bit deeper to understand it. Um, so for example, I've had these sort of intense responses, bodily responses, and I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah. I was very confused. Um, and I had to do my own digging of like, what, that's why I got into somatic experiencing right. with my body. What is going on with these responses that I'm having? Um, because some people can, um, I had one client, he, he, he did not remember his trauma that he had until he went to a hypnotherapist and the trauma was very, um, extreme sexual trauma when he was a young boy. So he knew that he was, he was a very, very angry, had drug addiction, um, uh, was suicidal, all of these things. And he, he didn't quite understand why. And then as he linked, like his life started with trauma with sexual trauma that was so severe that he blocked it out until later going to therapy and un unraveling it and then starting to make sense of why these behaviors kind of came through and these connections, which, wow. is, a, which is a whole process. So, 
Absolutely, yeah, and we'll definitely want to. I definitely want to come to that because we're certainly not. We haven't yet got to the you know what might be done about it or how might we influence and in, in, uh, inform our care to suit this. Um, sure. But how did you get into this then? What, what's your story, your background, if you could? Yeah. So when I first started working as a therapist, I worked in ortho, and then a few years later, I transitioned into skilled nursing and. There, I worked at some really beautiful, great skilled nursing. This was not a beautiful, great skilled nursing facility. There was a lot of patients coming in with a lot of trauma, like major traumas of like, you know, patient would be, was almost beaten to death by her boyfriend left to bleed, now came in nonverbal. My other patient in his 20s, you know, he came in and he had almost died from type one diabetes and suddenly he couldn't walk or talk, right? Like these really extreme cases of trauma, people who had been severely abused in their life, um, people who were suicidal. And I was in my early 20s at the time, early mid 20s. And I was like, what do I do with all of this? They were coming in with so much suffering and mental illness. And I just, I had a sense that it was impacting their recovery as well, their ability to follow what we were saying. For the physios who've worked in skilled nursing, you're usually not their favorite person walking in that door and getting them out of bed anyway. And then also when they have trauma, and they're in severe chronic pain, uh, there's even more resistance there, right? And our job is to get them to, to get discharged. So there was a block there from in terms of achieving our functional outcomes because all this trauma and stress was coming in. We weren't able to get through, right? They could be combative. Um, they could have high anxiety and fear. They're having really all over the map pain symptoms that didn't correlate to what we were seeing, right? There's all this unpredictability and, and chaos. Um, and I also started to get too consumed with my patients. Um, we call this merging. So I would dream about my patients. I would think about them too much outside of therapy. Um, it's like a, an extreme level of empathy. We call this compassion fatigue, right? We know of burnout yeah. also, which usually happens of like, I remember in that facility, it's like, you gotta have 98% productivity. I don't know if you guys do that in the, in the UK, but it was like, you basically don't have time to pee. Oh, yeah. We don't hear, uh, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, you go into the, the wrong corners of, uh, of any practice, then you can find that, yeah. And I loved my boss and I loved my coworkers. It was just the system and the structure, right? And it was, we were in a more poor area of the city. So there was a lot of homeless populations coming in too. So that was my first eye-opening experience of one, I was getting compassion fatigue um, almost this vicarious trauma where I was, I was, I was feeling more afraid of the world because I was seeing so much death and suffering around me. Um, I felt, I started having panic attacks. I started feeling dissociated. Um, I was just diving. I was merging too much of these patients feeling like that's what I was supposed to do to sufficiently care for them. You know, I want them to feel seen and heard and cared for. Um, so fast forward a few years after that, um, I ended up quitting that job and starting my own private practice. And I started getting a lot of um, clients who came in with complex chronic pain and also trauma. So because of the clients that started to come to me, probably just the way that I was marketing my personal interests, I started being like, okay, well, now I need more information on this. I need to learn how to help this population better. And I felt like they were really underserved, um, that they felt like they've gone to many physios and they they weren't seen and um, dealt with properly. 
because these therapists didn't know how to handle what was coming up for that patient. It was a long-winded answer, but... Was there a particular... Was that a natural emergent process of you encountering more people that you wanted to help and you wanted to get to the crux of the matter? Or was there a particular... um, moment you know people sometimes describe a professional or personal epiphany uh, of, of of realization and, and did these things coincide or was it more gradual it was kind of a gradual coming to and then one of my colleagues he he had gone through somatic experiencing and through this nervous system training and he, he was just like just from the way that you're just happen to talk to your clients and the messaging you do online, I really think this would be a good fit for you. So it was like this slow, like, okay. And then he like, so there's like drop a little note. And then my own personal experience had me wondering what the heck is going on with my body. So I started Googling somatic therapy because someone said, maybe you got to look at a, I'm like, what is this somatic therapy? I thought it was all crappy crap. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was frou-frou. So it was like a bunch of these different pieces coming together, which landed me to getting more training and being like, okay, this needs to be the path. And it's just gradually blossomed. Flowed from there. So then let's talk about that. So I wonder if I can, before we jump into what we might do about it, I just wonder what what is your general take about the sort of MSK rehab pain injury space um, and how well we embrace such things? Um, what's your sort of analysis of the industry at large before we go into what to do about it? I need to first ask what MSK means. I don't think we use that term. Oh, really? Right musculoskeletal? Okay. Okay. That's what I thought it was. Is he saying musculoskeletal? Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's an easier right. way to say it. I like that MSK. I usually fluff, um, I usually just fluff saying musculoskeletal. That's a, a hard word for me to say, so I've, I've abbreviated <laughs> it. But sorry, carry on. That's great. So you're asking what what do I think the the industry would feel about this sort of information? Just generally your your analysis on um, yeah. clearly it's something you're an advocate for um, and understandably so. So yeah, how well do you feel it is being embraced, incorporated, and and generally what's your take on the on the industry at large? Yeah, super good question. So I started interviewing PTs to find that out because I didn't know because I work in a private practice I don't get the the pleasure, honestly, of getting to hang out with other PTs and have these conversations. So I literally just put out there, would anybody be interested in having these conversations about trauma-informed care and what you know about it and what your thoughts are about it, what you feel about it? So as I was interviewing, uh, a lot of physiotherapists, they had some sort of idea of trauma, but didn't know really what to do with it. So they might have heard something about how trauma is connected with pain or how that might impact their patients, but that was kind of the end of it right? They, they didn't really think to go much further or they didn't know how to go much further. They didn't know what to look up. So they were a little bit stuck. Like they had an awareness, but they, they were kind of stuck where to go. One PT that I interviewed, I thought was interesting. I had asked the therapist, what do you think the barriers are to bringing trauma-informed care into, into the physical therapy space? And one guy said, I think the psychologists are going to think we're stepping on their toes. You know, because it's like, oh, well, yeah. now are we diving into mental health? Are we in the, the thing is like so much of this is education, right? Is trauma-informed care is not evaluating, it's not diagnosing, it's not treating trauma at all. It's leaving that to the professionals who have extensive experience training working with trauma and training under trauma professionals. What we're doing is again that following those four trauma-informed um principles there 
instead and being able to refer out or being to able to educate the patient on what might else be going on because we know people with extensive chronic pain they want answers and they feel so stuck and scared and why do i have all these symptoms and why can't anybody tell me what else is going on mm, and they're just they're no, left in the system sense. going from professional to professional and it's like okay how can we like support those people those are the people getting i feel like getting lost you know and so then to move on to what do you feel is a or what direction of travel do we need to take to improve the care for these patients and to upskill the industry uh, to be more yeah. um, aware of such things? I think education starts at the front. That's why I wanted to, you know, just talk about this and get in front of other physios and just share about it. Because again, like I really needed this information so bad years ago when I was working with these traumatized individuals and feeling the compassion fatigue and overwhelm and not knowing how to handle these, these major um, emotional responses. Um, you did an interview actually with, not you, the other Jack, your podcast did an interview with somebody named Ben on communication skills. And he actually highlighted some of the skills under trauma-informed care. So bringing in these skills are going to be really important. So the education and then learning these, these trauma-informed skills are also going to be really important, which involves communication, understanding um, consent, knowing how to track somebody's nervous system, right? It's knowing what state are they in. Again, how to respond and respond in an informed manner of when these things are happening, understanding the connections between pain and stress and trauma, and then what exercises and practices can we do with them that aren't necessarily your, um, just you know, physical. Yeah, and what what sort of, um, cause there's, there's so many different inter overlapping schools of thought with regards to this. And I remember many years ago, we did a podcast called Psychologically Informed Care. Um, <laughs> and I suppose it's, is this, a subset is it an overlap significant overlap on a venn diagram is trauma um an, another variable to be considering or is it something that actually our improved knowledge and the research that's showing the effects of of trauma both large and small t trauma is that psychologically informed care it's almost a synonym of trauma informed care that trauma is such a key component of that that really that's just again a wording thing so i just wondered how you saw it how it fits within other interlock in overlapping say movements modalities styles etc did you so i've never heard of psychologically informed care was that something you guys came up with no i don't think we coined it i think it was certainly the, the guest that we were interviewing was describing it as part of a a wider sort of movement body of work school of thought um, from what i understand so definitely something to look into and it could well be things okay. one of the things i wonder as well is that how well it culturally travels like it might be that they, they're describing that that could well be a synonym i think that there was definitely it came about the cbt and act and different right. waves of behavioral therapies but then it was also uh i'll have to look it up now but it's it, it, all of what you're describing sounds familiar but then equally it didn't center trauma um mm -hmm. it, and, and so therefore i'm trying to work out whether or not this is now a few years on that our better knowledge of how trauma is actually quite central to psychological distress could well be that it ends up being the same thing but i just wondered uh yeah again we get into the weeds of sort of 
titles and labels but yeah it's, it, it all sounds familiar i'm gonna google that after we're done because i've okay. never heard of that when i think of trauma i don't I don't necessarily just think of the psychological aspects, although that's a key piece, but it, remember it's also the physiology of how it's impacting their autonomic nervous system. Their fight, flight, freeze responses is such an important part of understanding trauma too. Um, that's why CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, can be helpful for people with trauma, and it can be only one step because there can also be more work that needs to be done on a bodily, bodily level or on a somatic level, yeah. like EMDR, for example, or somatic experiencing. Um, but I'm sure there are probably a lot of overlaps. I'm surprised that they didn't use the word trauma when referring to like a, I mean, it reminds me of the BPS model, right? Biopsychosocial model. Um, you know, so we're, so for those of you who don't know, are you looking at the different pillars of the biological, psychological, and social factors that can impact somebody's health, well-being, and pain? Um, so trauma-informed care, I think, sits really nicely under even the BPS model. It's just kind of a refinement, and you're right, like taking all of this recent education and research that we're getting that really started around 2020. Now there's a lot more research out there about this work, mm. about how trauma impacts pain and the skills that we can use. I think that um, when when we're... So I think that's a really good point about CBT where in its worst function or if it's clumsily employed it ends up being a, a a conscious encouraged suppression of a key emotion that therefore needs to be treated or managed or processed better and that cbt done whereby right, observe this and then and then wind that back down that's not relevant that needs to be and that's one of the things that interesting then the, the next wave of act acceptance and commitment therapy started to then recognize at least an embrace of some of those emotions and challenges that mean that instead of noticing them and suppressing them it was more that you need to accept them and commit to moving past them I guess from what I can gather, and it's not just in this conversation, but from my observation of it and obviously applying myself within this world as well, means that it's now we're going beyond uh, certainly not moving past trying to notice and then move around it. We're certainly not just accepting and committing to moving past it. It's also then it can be processed, worked through, developed. It's like um, our developments in, say, in, in counseling, in coaching, in therapy have meant that then we can be a little bit braver than than sometimes these things needing to be moved moved past or moved round they can be moved through uh, moved beyond um so am i am i describing that journey well enough for, forgive me if i butchered it and if that is indeed the case what does that look like and can we get then into what your practice looks like in helping people to not work not work around it not suppress it but instead work through these sorts of issues and traumas yeah, big, big loaded question. Um, so one of my clients had asked me, um, you know, are we going to be working like directly with the nervous system? Since that's such an, such an important part of the autonomic nervous system and working with trauma. And I said, we are the entire time. So one of my teachers also called this doing stealth somatics. So it's hard to pinpoint. So it's hard to pinpoint an exact like thing that I'm necessarily doing in it. It's almost weaved into everything that I'm doing, almost like the communication skills that um, that Ben gentleman was talking about is it's weaved into the way that I'm working with that client. So one example of how it might show up um, 
um, I'm just thinking in the terms of like chronic pain, for example, if I'm working with somebody yeah. with chronic pain and trauma and stress, they're, they're in that heightened stress response typically, right? There's going to be that hypervigilance we know happens with people with chronic pain. Um, cortisol levels are high. There's going to be a lot of excess tension in their body, and they're usually going to be really narrowed in on that pain, right? They're going to be super focused in on that pain. So a lot of the work that I'm doing with them um, is that we're, we're in somatic experiencing, we call this orienting to the blue. So orienting to the blue is going to something that feels neutral or pleasant for them. Orienting to the red is looking at sometimes referred to as the trauma vortex, or we could refer to that as the pain or the stress, right? So if we're bringing all of this attention of how's your back, how's your back, is your back okay, right? If that's what's bothering them, we're yeah. bringing all more attention to the red right now, when really we want to start them off of like, let's bring them into a more relaxed state where we're actually having them focus on the parts of their body or themselves that feel strong, that feel healthy, that don't feel pain. Because typically these people talk in absolutes, right? I always feel pain. My back is always in pain. It might be, and what else is there? Like, let's start there so that we're seeing what, what else is here in this experience. That's why we, um, somatics is so important. Somatics comes from the word body. So you might've heard of like somatics is this attunement and awareness of our body. People with trauma often and pain, they wanna numb out. They don't wanna feel their body. They're in freaking pain. They don't wanna pay attention. They want fast results typically, they want to be fixed. This work is really going through, like you're saying, it's like, we have to learn how to be with the pain sometimes. We have to learn how to sit with that sensation. And again, there's there's ways to do it where they're able to be with the pain and also have resources so it's not overwhelming for them. And when they're able to actually pay attention to what's happening for them, attune to themselves, so many things can come up. I've seen things happen in my sessions where I'm not even surprised anymore. Different emotions come up. Suddenly they're just starting to cry and they don't know why. And we normalize those responses. That's okay. We don't have to make meaning about them. We don't have to dissect anything. It's like, this is happening and we're going to hold the space for that. And then we're going to move through and we're going to move through and we're going to make progress. When, you, um, when you're working through this, is this something that feels is it inherently nested within your um, physiotherapy practice? Um, or is it something that does feel like a somewhat separate, almost service that's also administered by you? So, for example, I might wear a few different hats that you never really take sure. your identity out of it completely. But there is a relevant difference between me saying an acute musculoskeletal case and um, say a more strength and conditioning performance based client, mainly because they're then uninjured. So there's a difference in my identity there as a sort of performance coach and a physio. In this instance, is it, how together is it and how separate is it? Do you, do you differentiate that within your services or is it something that, that really that's just another person seeking your help? Yeah, it's just it's just it's there if I need it. Right. I consider it a skill. Really, it's the skill of attunement. Um, hmm. And then I'm, and then kind of that orientation to blue or red is is more of like a practice that I'm using. Mostly right. I consider myself more like a coach um, right. instead. You but, get, people, um, present, people present with, yeah, ankle trauma and psychological trauma. And that would be just that they'd be two new patients that you might have that month, that morning. Exactly. They're I have the whole range. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so most most of my clients will come in with, a lot of complex stuff going on. Like they've gone to person to person to person and they're like, you know, I went to all these 
physiotherapist. I still feel stuck. I want to get stronger. I want to move. I want to like live my life. Right. So they want to move past like just getting treatment. They want to actually like build their strength and their resilience. And that's where I come in. It's like, okay, then we're going to use these practices and move you along. Because honestly, sometimes they have to get out of this, like, I got to fix my pain. I got to fix my pain. It's like, we have to move you forward in life. Like you also have to yeah, live yeah. your life, you know, you have to be resilient. So that's a huge value in my work is also a thing I always say about trauma. People think that trauma is like bubble wrapping people, right? It's like, that's not, again, like let's not trigger anybody. My clients, like the whole, the whole point of trauma work is helping them become more resilient and strong and empowered and self-sufficient hmm. and independent. Yeah. And often doing that through exposure to functional challenge is, is mm -hmm. a, a really crucial way of doing that, both building building confidence and then witness themselves doing something they didn't think they could do and the positive feedback totally. that, that creates. Something you mentioned earlier that I, I, I've been meaning to come back to is the mistake that people so often make with regards to being clumsy with the way in which they use touch with people, particularly those that have experienced um, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And the mistake that sometimes gets made in, in 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 this that I've experienced is where people then think, well, even in 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 hearing or knowing about those those issues, they therefore think, oh, I'd better be gentle then, and that in doing so and not being particularly purposeful or meaningful or clinical with their touch, that that's sometimes exactly the sort of creepy soft touch that might be exactly what would trigger that trauma and said. <laughs> Um, abuser and so that the, the, the and I can so understand how it happens but when 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 um, people are more conscious of this they, they they will be more skilled with their hands that that doesn't involve being gentle or delicate for the sake of that that, that might be the big mistake that they're making and so the only way you're going to find that out is to is to ask those questions and to not cut those corners um, and and just one of the really interesting things about us being physiotherapists physical therapists is that we are we are using touch in a very interesting way that our medical colleagues and most of the disciplines aren't um, and that that needs to be understood and respected in this space as much as it does anything else um, and I think that that's definitely an area that can be so taken for granted and, and so you know mistaken um, as you mentioned earlier so I'm just adding adding to a point you already made well what do you recommend people do if they want to understand this area better and to potentially um, educate themselves further to develop the skills and practices you're describing. Yeah. Um, God, a touch conversation is like a whole other thing, right? Cause that's so important. Um, yeah. but yeah, so there's, there, so there's so many different skills you can develop under this, depending on like what, what your specialty as a physio, if you want to specialize in certain things. Um, I would say first, I'm just going to name a couple of professionals like we've named Gaber Mate. He has a great book called um, When the Body Says No. So around the bookshelf over this. So When the Body Says No is a really fascinating book, just so people get a little bit of more education and learn about these things. Um, Somatic Experiencing has a lot of resources. Um, I have a Facebook group for health and rehab professionals. Um, that's trauma education, where I post live trainings every week. I'm, I'll I'm sure I'll share this podcast with those members um, where it's also a place to have conversations about this, to develop our understanding. It's not just physios. It's also there's a lot of psychologists in there and social workers. Um, trauma is an area we're continually continuing to develop in. Right. Like we're, mm. we're really on like the, the 
beginning of it in the physio world. And us coming together as professionals, having these conversations, talking about our patients and our experiencing with them, like is, is really gonna help move this along. And that's, I love the field of physio. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe in the next five to 10 years, we're gonna see a big shift in how this is integrated and normalized. Let's hope so. Well, I think, I hope so. And sometimes there's a lag in there, but certainly the sort of evidence and attention is moving in this direction. And so I'm, I'm really pleased to, like yourself, advocating for, for us to broaden our horizons in this way is, is great. We'll certainly be sharing the, the links. If you can just uh, provide those to us, we'll, we'll get people pointed in your direction. Where can people find you online? Are you on social media? I'm on the socials. Um, one of my channels I just recently started is Chronic Pain and Trauma, just Chronic Pain and Trauma on Instagram. So that's where I'll post some other professionals as well and um, different videos and things to learn more about trauma and pain. Um, and then, like I mentioned, the Facebook group, if you just search um, trauma education for health and rehab professionals. And then I'm always happy to accept friend requests under my name, Jess Mather, if people search me on Facebook. I, I love just being able to network with other professionals trying to do our best with our patients, so. Brilliant, no, that's great. And um, yeah, certainly certainly do go look up, look up Jess. Also, you're on rebuildingbody.com. Yep, so that's for my private practice is my rebuildingbody.com. So that's more my my private practice work. I have another website, um, uh, is chronicpainandtrauma.com, which talks about a large curriculum that we teach. But typically we want to, you know, I'm more than happy to get people into the group and get them used to this material first um, so that they, they have an understanding of what this is. Because it is very new for some people. Like, what is, what is sure. trauma-informed care? What does this mean? And again so much of it comes down to just education and teaching absolutely well that's a, a lovely balance you've got there that certainly speaks to speaks to my bias is that you've got that clinical practice to actually then apply what is there but also educating other professionals in the ways in which you've found beneficial in your work so that's exactly what how, how mine's emerged and so i really wish you well with that and please do go and check jess out and thank you so much for your time today really appreciate it nice to meet you thank you there are two things that all MSK therapists have in common the world over. They love free trials and exercise prescription. So if you're a Cairo, physio, osteo, or some sort of oskaisio hybrid, then head to rehabmypatient.com forward slash physiomatters now and get three months on us of the best exercise prescription software available. Yeah.